0: John. And he says, John, how could you do this? I loved you and I trusted you. And John just holds his head in shame and embarrassed by all his sins. And he says, well, there has to be justice in the kingdom. So you'll be taken out and you'll be tried in front of your ears. So John's taken out and he's tried and he's found guilty and he's sentenced to death. Well, the king's son hears about this and he goes to the king. And he says, Father, I hear you sentence John to death. And he says, that's right, my son. And he says, but Father, I love John so much. And the king says, I love him too. And he's got tears rolling down his face. But he says, if there's no justice, the kingdom falls apart. And he says, well, Father, let me take John's place. Let me die so that John might live. And the king realizes just how much his son loves him. So he comes to the day of John's execution and John's being led up to be executed and the king's son comes up to him and he says, John, I've got great news for you. You can go free. And he said, Why? Well, I deserve to die for all the terrible things I've done. He said, no, you can go free. And what's more, my dad's having you do a better job and love you as if you were me. name is Jesus Christ. For over an hour, and at the end of this embrace, this girl was crying and smiling. And my priest <coughs> friend said, "If only I had the faith of Mother Teresa, when that man had spat at me, I would have hugged him to show him someone loved him." Well, when I was roughly lashing out, fighting, I was put on 23 hours solitary confinement, which means he locked up himself for 23 hours a day, and you're allowed out of this cell for one hour to walk around an empty yard, and then you put back in the cell. And there's no distractions, no TV, no music, just you. And it's like having a mirror in front of you. And I seriously thought about taking God's greatest gift, my own life. But God must have been there because I didn't take my own life, but I came out of there more anxious. I started bouncing around the East End and West End Clubs of London and I met some people who seemed to have everything. They had the money, the best cars, the best girls. You know, they walked into a club and everything stopped because they had this respect and this power. And I wanted this respect and I wanted that power. And in my naivety, I really thought it would fulfil me. So I started working for these people. But before very long I wasn't working for them, I was working with them. And these were the people who ran most of the organised crime in London. So to my shame I was involved in major drug bills, protection rackets, vicious crime of all sorts. I used to have this design under jacket with a sewn in the inside pocket and I used to carry a machete in one pocket and CS gas in the other. And obviously I'm not telling this to glorify the past. I'm telling you this to glorify God and what He can do in someone's life. When I obtained everything the world says makes you happy, I had the penthouse apartment, I had the sports cars, more money than I could ever spend. But inside I was empty. Because no matter what I seemed to achieve, nothing fulfilled me, nothing satisfied me. You know, I remember Pope John Paul II said that the person who gives us the desire, to search for it in our hearts, is Jesus. And no matter how rich, no matter how famous, no matter how powerful we become, we will never be truly satisfied or fulfilled until we have a personal, loving relationship with Jesus. Well, because I didn't have this personal, loving relationship with Jesus, I had to look for the false gods. You know what the world says, satisfies. So I was on crack cocaine, Smoking dull was going out of fashion, drinking really heavy. I was also very promiscuous. Some days I woke up with girls I didn't even know their name. But the more promiscuous I became, the more drugs I took, the more dead I became. I was working a club that we part owned in the West End of London, and I ended up hitting this guy with a knuckle cluster. And the only reason I hit this man was to impress an underworld boss who was there. And as I looked at this man, I truly thought I had killed him. And the only thought that came through my mind is I might get ten years for this. And as I drove home that night I thought, what have I become that I could kill someone and not even care? Because I used to care. I used to want to make difference. But here I was just hurting everyone around me. You know I had the honour of uh, visiting the Holy Land. And one of the places in the Holy Land is called the Dead Sea. And one of the reasons why the locals call it the Dead Sea is because it's very low down. So all these rivers flow into it, but nothing flows out there. And the locals say, if all you do in life is take, and you don't give life, you just take, you're dead. Well, I wasn't just dead, I was decomposing. I came in this normal night and I became aware of a voice speaking to my heart. A voice every one of us knows, our conscience godly. Embraced the guy and tried to kill him. It was like watching the father embracing the prodigal son. A few months later, the man asked to become a Catholic because he said, Where there was such mercy and forgiveness, God must surely be. If we look to our first martyr in the scriptures, St. Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, a person who approved of the stoning was Saul. He actually held their coats as he was stoned to death. And St. Stephen's final words were, do not hold this sin against them, Lord. Do not hold this sin against them. The very next season in the scriptures is Saul being converted and becoming one of the greatest apostles, St. Paul. Again, where we see an act of mercy, where we see an act of forgiveness, God works a miracle. I think often in our lives, we're asked to forgive. We're asked to forgive those who have hurt us. We're asked to forgive those who have taken away our good name. We're asked to forgive those who have maybe hurt someone we love. And sometimes it's very difficult to forgive. You know, I remember when I found God, that I had a lot of people I needed to forgive. One of them was my stepmom, So I thought, well, I've got to start praying for her. So I used to pray, Lord, bless my stepmother but make sure she suffers. <laughs> The monster of our past, or else those monsters always rule us. We have to learn to forgive ourselves. And when I took our lady's hand and consecrated my heart to Mary, it was then that I was able to begin to forgive myself. You know, I wrote my first. I'm reading the second half where I was so good. But she won't read the first half where I was so bad. Well, one time I was going back to England and I was speaking to my brother on the phone And he said, Be aware, mum reading the first half of the book. <laughs> I thought, oh my God. But anyhow, when I went in to see her, I said, What did you think, Mum? You know, she knows she immediately All she saw was a little boy who was so wounded as to become that monster. And I thought that's a slight reflection of our Godseeds. That's a slight reflection of our world exceptions. Do you know there's a story of this young boy who lived in Furless and he lived on a farm with a bit of a difference because they bred expensive racehorses. And when his parents were out, he took his box of matches and he lit this little fire in the barn. And with a few moments the whole barn was ablaze and he ran out to watch some of these grace horses being burnt to death. And he was so petrified of what his father would do to him, that even though it was dark he wouldn't go home. So he hid in these woods all night. In the morning when he woke up, the by hunger and cold, he went back to the farmhouse. And as he knocked on the farmhouse door, he was shaking with fear with what his father would do to him. His father opened the door, grabbed him in his arms and began to kiss him and cuddle him. And he noticed that his father was crying. And then his mother came running down the stairs, screaming with joy, hugging and kissing him. So they both thought he was dead, he had been burned to death in the fire, But he was alive again. They thought he was lost, but he was found. You know, they never mentioned what had happened to him and what he had done. They were just so happy to have him back there. I ended up going to a retreat. And at that retreat, I did something random. down. Ever in my life, I ended up knowing to confess And I said, it's my privilege. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, I've been going to Mass every Sunday since I was seven years old, but tonight I personally met Jesus. I just went to confession for the first time in 48 years, and I've met him, and he loves me. I was doing a parish mission in Tewka Cathedral in Ireland, and there was over a thousand people at this mission. In front of these thousand people, this 15-year-old girl walks up to me, and she said, when you came into my school this morning, I didn't believe in God, but because of what you said tonight, I thought, sorry, because of what you said, I decided to come tonight. And because of what you said tonight, I've just been confession." For the first time in my life. And not only do I know God's rule, I know he loves me. She went on to say it completely changed her life. I don't think it's possible for us to go to confession without meeting Jesus personally. And maybe that sin we've never had the courage to confess is the very sin that's stopping us knowing his unconditional love. I think confession and that lady helped me to forgive myself. Then there was a mass in this retreat. Now I've never been brought up as a Catholic. So when they started saying that this white thing was meant to be Jesus, it made no sense to me. Now maybe my heart being opened open because I've been in confession. But I just said, if this is true to you Jesus then show me. Because I don't understand. As I received Jesus on that day the only way I can describe it to you is every good feeling I ever felt in my life, including how I felt when I walked away from that apartment and felt the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life, including how I felt when I walked away from the confession, was just magnified and magnified. And I knew two things. I knew that that was Jesus, body, blood, soul and divinity. Not because anyone had taught me out the book, But I had asked Jesus and he had personally shown me, and I knew I'd be a Catholic till the day I died, because I knew that the true presence of Christ was in the one true church on earth, the Catholic Church. I left that retreat and I started working with this little nun, a well-famed, me many stories, but the thing I think that touched me the most about Mother Teresa was the fact that she was fearless. She seemed to be scared of no one and nothing. And when I pondered on this, I think it's because she was so full of God. Because pure love drives out all fear. Pure love drives out all fear. And the more I think we open our hearts, the less fear worry there is in our lives. And I really believe that Mother Teresa also gave until it hurts. She never stopped giving. I remember she was asked once, what does it mean to give until it hurts? And she said, I remember when I learned what it meant to give until it hurts. A man knocked on our convent door in Calcutta and told of the Hindu family was starving. So she immediately took this bowl of rice that her and the other sisters were about to eat and she went round to this Hindu family. She said it was like cooking at five human skeletons, a mother and her four children. This mother took out an empty bowl, put half the rice in it and went out the door. She said, where did you go with all that rice? She said, my Muslim neighbour is also starving. Mother Teresa said to me she began to cry because for the first time in her life she knew what it was to give until it hurt. She had fed her neighbour before even feeding herself or her starving kids. You know, I really think she inspired me to start giving again. So when I came back from working with her, I started working with the homeless. And you know, I used to have this guy in my hand that anyone who was homeless was either a druggy or a drunk. I remember one of the first guys I met on the streets, I said to him, you should give up drinking. And he said, I don't drink. I said, well then you should give up taking drugs. He said, I don't take drugs. Now I used to smoke at the time, this is the sort of hypocrite I was. I said, well then you should give up smoking. He said, I don't smoke. He said, do you know what you should give up? I said no. He said, you should give up judging people. <laughs> he talked me far more than I talked him. Another time I was giving out sandwiches and we had some ham sandwiches, cheese sandwiches, and chicken sandwiches. And I said to this guy, do you want a cheese sandwich? He said, I don't like cheese. I thought the chick, he's meant to be starving and he doesn't like cheese. Well he must have known while I was thinking, because he said, just because you're homeless and hungry, it doesn't make you like cheese. <laughs> 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 so after that, I used to say the word, I have chicken or cheese. Another people we used to visit was housebound people. One lady, she was a Quaker. Her name was Winifred. And I used to go around and visit her. And she had leukemia. She'd never got out of the house except to have a transfusion. And I used to take around in a little wheelchair and give her a little picnic. And each time I used to bring her back, before I left, she'd always ask me to pray. Me. And after I finished praying, she'd have a lot of silence, like she was waiting on the Holy Spirit. But she never cried. On one occasion, she cried. And to my dying day, I will never forget what it was like praying with Jesus Christ. I remember I visited her in hospital on the night she died and I gave her a rosary. Now I remember she was a Quaker, and I said, this is for you Winfrey. She said, I know what this is. This is our lady's hand and she'll lead me to her son. Do you know she died exactly one hour after I gave her that rosary. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour like that. Another person who we used to help the kids who were dying, we used to turn to laws in his jug around. You know, one little boy, his name was Stephen. He was about 10 years old, and he used to have cancer in the spinal cord. And you even Thank you. And I have never been so fulfilled in my life. I never thought a world like this existed. Do you know, sometimes it gets quite tiring with what we do. Because we do schools during the day, and we do parish missions in the evening. Today I was in St. St. Saviour's, and I'm in this parish tonight. The other year I was in Derry, and I've been doing three weeks of this. And I turned to God and I said, does what I do make a difference? Well, later on that night, a lady asked to see me in the sacristy. And she said, was you in schools today, Claudia? I said, I was. She said, two weeks ago, my little 15-year-old girl tried to kill herself. She said, she went back to school today, and she wore a jumper to hold with stitches in her arms. She said, you came into her school, and you told your story. And somewhere in your story you told her she was beautiful and loved by God. She said, my little girl came home tonight and she told me word for word what you had said. It took her 45 minutes. And she said, mum, I want to live again. I want to go back to mass like we used to. I want to pray the rosary like we used to. I want to live again. She said, you don't know what you'll do in those schools that never stop. I went back in the church and I was crying. And I asked Jesus to forgive me for my lack of faith in me. Now when I tell you that story that you might think I'm good I tell you that story because I want you to pray for me. And I want you to pray for those kids who I'm not speaking to. Because I truly believe the only thing that changes anything is prayer. And if you really pray for me, then you'll be there for those kids. And maybe this week, and I'm doing schools around this area, there's a young person who doesn't know their love and doesn't know their cherish. and your prayer might bring into that love. Maybe there's someone in this church tonight who doesn't know their love and doesn't know their cherish. The reason why I share my story is you might know if God can love and forgive and accept someone like me, he can love and forgive and accept anyone. When I was praying about this talk, there was two things that I felt Jesus wanted me to share. The first one was that when I first found God, I had a lot of anger in me. And I ended up going to go a prayer house in Scotland. And there we prayed to Rosary each day, and we used to spend time in adoration. But towards the end of this year, I went to confession. And it hadn't been that long since my last confession. And this priest, while I'm in this confession, he says to me, "You're angry with God." I said, "No, I'm not angry with God. I love God." He said, "No." But she goes to confession <coughs> and she's crying so much during this confession that this priest takes her head and brings it to his heart. And she said that she knew it was Jesus bringing her to his heart. Well, she joined us in community and she was amazing. She was giving her glory all over the world, bring great grace to people. But I realized. That there was still a lot of sadness and a lot of pain in me. And I said, I want you to ask our lady where the root of that sadness is, because normally it's not the abuse, it's something that happens later. After a few months, she came to me and she said, I remember when I was 15 years old, I went to this church hall with 10 boys from my school, and I let them do whatever they liked to me. She said, three days later it was my 16th birthday and I tried to kill myself because I felt so utterly worthless. I said, well I want you to place yourself back in that situation and i to pray of you and i to ask Jesus to come into that situation. I We should want to speak to the American This beautiful charity is called Mary's Mill Complained for Our Lady and they feed over 640,000 children, actually 675,000 children, every single day. And I've had the honour of giving that charity, through the proceeds of the book and also the generosity of the Irish people, over $1.5 million in the last six years. So, so So he locks himself in his bedroom, and for three days he won't come out of his bedroom. On the third day, his mum's banging the door worried about him, and he opens the door and he him the Bible. And he says, Mum, I'm no longer afraid to do God's will in my life. I'm not being tired, because I know that's what God's plan for me. And off he goes to school. Well, his mum's amazed because he never reads the Bible. And every time he says here, do not be afraid, he had put a ring round it in bed. He says it here 366 times. Do not be afraid. One well, for every day of the year, including me <laughs> And that king grew up to be Neil Armstrong. The first man to walk on the moon. He wasn't afraid to do God's will in his life. In the same way, we're called by God to an incredible plan. And all we have to do Is to accept that plan and open our hearts to that plan. You know, finally, I was told when I was at school I was stupid because I was dyslexic and I couldn't read or write. Since I opened my heart to God, I've wrote three books. I also couldn't speak in public before I found God. I could not say a word in public in front of people. Since I opened my heart to God, around the world. The other year I was in Sydney speaking at World Youth Day in the presence of Pope Benedict to half a million young people. Because pure love drives out all fear. In the words of blessed Pope John Paul II, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up for what you know to be right. Don't be afraid to speak up and proclaim the truth of the Catholic Church. Don't be afraid to be that light in this world we see you so full of darkness. You know, I love the analogy of a candle when it goes into a dark room. And it goes, I beg to differ, this room isn't full of darkness, this room is full of light. Every time we go and light a candle, every time we say a prayer, every time we receive Jesus, Every time we reach out to someone we start in or in pain, Every time we are willing to say yes to God. I think we change the world we live in. And we live that plan that each one of us is called to. Do you know Mother Teresa said, God never asks for success. He only ever asks for faithfulness. I had the honour of being